Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have another devotion. And following up from last week's series on the story of the wise men and Herod trying to kill the newborn Jesus, we see Revelation 12 with also some, some remarkable uh, prophetic similarities to that event. I want you to see just the epic cosmic scale of Christmas and how just how deep the story goes. Uh, this is Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we've gone just kind of piece by piece through it. Yesterday we were in verse 5. Here's verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. That timeline, 1,260 days, that's three and a half years, That's which is one half of seven years. That's the same timeline that is given in the previous chapter uh, about God's care for the two witnesses. The two witnesses are these men whose uh, testimony is miraculously protected. They have the ability to devour their enemies with fire. They have the ability to be heard by the masses. Here's, uh, here's the beginning of chapter 11. Then I was given a measuring reed like a rod with these words, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count those who worship there, but exclude the courtyard outside the temple. Don't measure it because it is given to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophesy for 1,260 days. It's the same timeline in Revelation 12, the story about the woman who's given birth. Okay. Uh, dressed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. They have authority to close up the sky so that it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have the power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague whenever they want. Man, it's a good thing I'm not one of them because I like the plague of frogs. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war on them, conquer them, and kill them. Their dead bodies will lie in, them in the main street of the great city, which figuratively is called Sodom and Egypt, and where also their Lord was crucified. So it's actually Jerusalem. And some of the peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days and not permit their bodies to be put into a tomb. By the way, quick pause, Revelation 11:9 was used to mock Christianity for centuries until television was invented. Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because the two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. You want to celebrate a pagan Christmas, it's going to happen after the two witnesses are martyred and then people are going to exchange gifts because they're so happy that these two guys who they can't harm and uh, have been telling everybody to repent from sin and that Jesus is Lord, now they've finally died. And so they leave the bodies in such a way that people from every nation, all nations, all tribes, all peoples, all languages will look at their bodies for three and a half days. That used to be used to mock Christianity until television. But, verse 11 says, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet. You see how this is also reminiscent of the ministry of Christ. Great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. 
and they went up into heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched them. At that moment, a violent earthquake took place. A tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. The survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. That is the purpose of this violence. The second woe has passed. Take note, the third woe is coming soon. And then comes the seventh trumpet. But that timeline is exactly the timeline uh, that is used to describe how the woman in Revelation 12 is nourished as she's taken to the wilderness. Um, we've seen similarity between the woman in Israel, how God would miraculously feed and nourish Israel with manna from heaven. We've seen how uh, in this midpoint in the tribulation, all right, the, the Antichrist has, has, uh, he, he has broken his covenant with Israel. Their original first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse comes in on a white horse, but it's a false peace. He carries a bow with no arrows. He's there ostensibly, ostensibly to make peace, but it's not a real peace. It's going to give way to war. And at this point, the, uh, the, the, the shaky, false sense of peace that Israel has with the Antichrist, the beast, it gives way to utter chaos. But for now, for 1,260 days, this woman is taken, uh, is taken and she is protected by the Lord from, for example, Pharaoh's army in Exodus 16. And, um, and, is, and, she's, and Mary, if you also look at Mary and the part that she plays in this, again, it's not just Mary, Mary's a part of Israel. Uh, they also fled to Egypt where God uh, cared for them in the meantime. Then later on giving Joseph the dream to say, okay, the people who were trying to kill the child are now dead, so it's safe for you to, uh, to come back home. So we've looked at individual verses tomorrow. We'll kind of recap all of this, and that leads us into uh, the new year where we're going to pick back up again in Matthew chapter 20. So for one more of our devotions, showing the parallels between Revelation 12 and Matthew chapter 2, tune in tomorrow, my friend.